Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Chatting with the Lightkeeper. I hope everybody is having a fabulous week, and here in my neck of the woods, it certainly feels like spring has really arrived. Um, it is going to be almost 60 degrees with a chance of thunderstorms in February, which is just way out of whack. So I'm thinking, unfortunately, it might be time to put away the skis and start preparing to mess around with my flowers. My daylilies are coming up rather quickly now. Um, it won't be long and my crocuses will be in bloom. Um, and once again, this is still in February, so it's going to be weird. And I do know for a fact that there will not be any more snow because I have acquired a new snowboard. So, yeah, it definitely seems like it's a very early spring. The trees are starting to bud out, and it's just just kind of wild how uh, this winter has been. So that's the news from near the shores of Lake Huron. And let's kind of get into the the fun aspect, uh, hopefully the reason why you uh, tune into the podcast, which is to talk about uh, BDSM and DS, all those good things. I'm sure um, most of you are not tuning in to hear about my daylilies or crocuses, um, since this isn't a uh, gardening podcast. Um, but this week, we are going to talk about sensation play, which kind of builds nicely on on where we've been, where we talked recently about bondage and then we talked about impact play, and this week we're going to get into what is called sensation play. And really, it's a wide spectrum of sensations. It can be anything from pain to pleasure, and really anything in between those or a combination thereof. And although last week we talked about impact play exclusively, um, because we have impact uh, which, you know, is hand on skin, paddle on skin, flogger on, you know, any type of thing like that. Impact play can technically fall under the um, umbrella of sensation play as well. So there's that. But we're not going to rehash what we talked about um, last week. At least I hope not, because it would bore me to pieces. And therefore, I don't want to bore you to pieces. So we're not going to go there. Um, but the things we're going to talk about this week are uh, temperature play, uh, sensory deprivation, and some tactile stimulation. So those are going to be the big, kind of the big three areas that we are going to to chat about. Um, and of course, whenever we talk about doing any type of play, it is very important, of course, to have informed consent before beginning play. And with any of these types of plays, even as something as simple as a uh, as a blindfold, um, it is important to have safe words and safe gestures um, agreed to, understood by everybody who is involved um, before play begins. Make sure that limits and boundaries are clearly negotiated and clearly understood uh, before engaging in any type of of play. Um, so those go without saying. And if this is sort of like your first time exploring things with sensations, whether it be a blindfold, whether it is hot and cold with uh, hot wax and ice cubes, 
um, or you're doing something just with test tactile stimulation like um, using feathers or running something silken across uh, somebody's body. Um, no matter what it is, always start slowly. Um, it's so important to start slow and work your way up. And if you're with a partner that's new to you, you know, have those unsexy discussions as you're going along. Is this good? How are you doing? Is that too hard? Is that too soft? All of those sorts of things uh, you need to have. So you start slowly. You're talking it through as you go. You're increasing the intensity as as you go, and and, and everyone's on board with it. Uh, and when you increase intensity, it doesn't necessarily mean that um, you are, for example, doing something harder. Um, but it can just mean doing it more rapidly. Um, for example, with wax, it can mean dripping the hot wax much faster than before, not necessarily lowering the candle closer so it's hotter. You're just applying it with more gusto, if you will, so it increases the sensation. Or the opposite is true if you're playing with ice in an ice cube. Rather than moving it quickly across the skin, you can slow it down. And as you slow down the movement of the ice cube, obviously the cold intensifies. So it's, you know, however you do it, just gradually increase, you know, the intensity of it. Don't just go for wild and crazy right off the bat, unless you're, in a, you know, in an established partnership and Wild and crazy is where you want to be, and everyone has been there, done that, and has the t-shirt and, and loves the wild and crazy. So, you know, then it's a little bit of a different story. And, of course, as always, even if you have the outstanding partner that you've been with forever and a day, make sure you're on the same page with, with safe words and safe gestures. Always, always, always. And then, finally, once you're done with playtime, it's so important to, of course, have aftercare. Um, and if you're with a casual playmate, just a friendly reminder, make sure that your aftercare needs are negotiated with your playmate um, because there can be a lot of misunderstandings with aftercare in casual um, play type relationships. Even if it's casual play at, uh, at your local in-person BDSM uh, dungeon event. Um, it's very important to have in the aftercare discussion with in a situation, you know, whether it's a trusted casual playmate that you play privately with, or you know, in a more uh, more public setting of the the BDSM play party, have the discussion so that everybody's on the same page so no one feels like they didn't give me aftercare or they're not giving me the right aftercare all those sorts of things make sure it is all negotiated discussed and everyone's on the same page so afterwards you can have the aftercare and either during aftercare or even after aftercare if there's such a thing as after aftercare um there's it's great. It's a great time to sort of reflect and adjust on what happened. Discuss what happened, what worked, what didn't work. Um, perhaps you know what 
what the dominant did to maybe if they made a mistake or if the submissive feels they did a they did a boo-boo. Whatever it is you have the how to go conversation and what you would like to maybe add next time, do again, or if something just, you know, was a non-starter for you, express that. But you have the the debrief after the aftercare. So just a little kind of rundown of of how play works. So let's get into the fun stuff. Let's talk about playing with some of these fun sensation causing things. And the first one, let's start with wax play. It's very, it can be very fun. Um, choosing the right wax is super, super important. Don't head to your local Walmart or large box store and buy a candle off the shelf and think it's going to be good um, because you need to have a candle that burns at a very low temperature. And when I say burns, the wax melting at a very low temperature um, because there are the risk of burns. Uh, one of the things you will see when you see pictures of wax play is often you will see the dominant or top that is, you know, pouring the wax onto the submissive or bottom. You will notice that, you know, obviously the hand that they're holding, like a candle in, which is typical, the candle in the hand, and there's all sorts of wax residue all over that hand. But I'm typically right-handed, so the candle would be held in my right hand. And before I started, and as I went along, um, if you've noticed in these pictures, typically that dominant or top, their wrist or, you know, the, the back of their arm on their left hand will also be covered in wax. And that's because they are constantly checking the temperature of the wax on themselves rather than just bombing away and dripping it onto the submissive or bottom. It's much like I, I don't have children, um, but I have had a dog. So it's very much um, like what I would do when it was bath time for my dog. Test the water temperature on the back of the, the wrist and arm just to make sure it was not too hot or too cold. Um, and that is very important. And to keep, you know, checking it as you go along. Um, you want to continuously be testing the wax temperature because it is something that that can change as, as a candle burns down. And it should be common sense, but as we know, common sense is uncommon these days. Don't put your wax um, in sensitive places. Like, don't pour wax on somebody's face. Um, if they happen to have cut themselves or skin their knee or some, you know, have some sort of open wound, shall we say, um, don't, don't put any wax on that. Maybe even consider covering something that like that up. Um, and it kind of seems counterintuitive because I know, uh, you know, we can wax our intimate areas um, to make things smoother. Um, but you need to be very, very careful that um, when you're playing with wax, um, that you kind of maybe want to avoid those intimate areas because wax doesn't do well on them. 
especially this kind of wax. This is not hair removal wax that you are using. So you want to avoid those sensitive areas. And of course, you have your, your safe word and your, you know, this is maybe too intense, yellow safe word, red safe word to, to be able to stop a scene. And also, as a safety tip, um, keep a bowl of cold water or even perhaps ice. Not saying you're going to do sensation play with uh, hot wax and the cold ice, but just in case an area gets accidentally overheated, you can start to um, basically start a little bit of, of burn care We're using the right wax. It's, you know, a burn, if you will, won't be anything like touching a hot pan or um, a burn from an actual fire, um, but it can be, you know, discomforting. So you want to have the right sort of safety precautions or ways to just calm that sensation, cool it down if an area accidentally gets overheated. Um, also, wax is messy. It makes a mess. So you're going to want to think about the cleanup before you play, long before you play. Uh, drop Good thick drop cloths um, for like painting are fantastic. Um, plastic tarps, you're going to want to have floor covered. You're going to want to have your furniture covered. Um, your, if you have like an end table or a table you're setting things on, you're going to want to have that covered. And since we are using, in most cases, a lit candle, the other thing you're going to want to have handy um, is a fire extinguisher, just in case, heaven forbid, the dominant carrying the candle is carrying it over, about ready to, you know, start playing, and they trip, they fall, the candle goes flying, and it lands on a carpeted floor. And <laughs> you just want to make sure that since you are playing a little bit with fire, that you have a uh, means to put it right out should something go kaplooey. So please have the, you know, the ice or the cold water uh, with a towel to dab with, and also make sure everything is covered and have the fire extinguisher. Like you can have it kind of hidden so it's not like sitting out being an elephant in the room, but have one and have it readily available and know where it is and also know how to use it. Um, way back, going back in the Wayback Machine, uh, there was a wax play demonstration happening at a, I guess, I don't know, it was a cross between a munch and a class um, that I attended and the presenter did slip, dropped the candle, it did not go out, and it did start catching a few things, kind of sort of on fire. Uh, and so he immediately grabs the fire extinguisher, except he didn't know how to use it. So it was kind of funny watching people come up and start stomping out the floor while he's standing there holding this fire extinguisher befuddled by how it wouldn't work. So not only have one, but know how it works. Don't be that guy or gal. So there are waxes to avoid because many, many commercial candles, the things you would buy in the store to make your house smell all nice, or that you would light, you know, if, if you know, heaven forbid, the power goes out, um, those types of things. Most of those candles are going to burn too hot. 
For example, paraffin wax has a very, very high melting point, and it can and it will cause severe burns if you decide to try and use it for wax play. Um, so don't ever go with a candle that has paraffin wax in it. Now, beeswax is something that, unfortunately, I've seen bloggers say, yeah, beeswax is great and it's all natural because it's from bees and it has a lower melting point. The thing is, it can still quickly get too hot for safe wax play. So you don't want to use beeswax. Um, even though, you know, it's the bee's knees for a lot of things, it is not for this. Um, of course, then we have soy wax, which is great if you want to have a, you know, wonderful, friendly to the world candle, um, but it burns at a high temperature. So soy wax also can cause um, burns, which is not fun. Um, then there is, and I'm not quite sure, I am not a candle connoisseur, um, so if there is somebody out there to let me know what gel wax is, um, I do understand it's something that is very popular, um, and it has, I, from what I've had it, heard it described as, as a jelly-like consistency, which kind of sounds weird for a candle, um, but gel waxes have a very, very... Um, high temperature melting point. And then finally we get to our good friend scented or dyed candles. You know, those wonderful ones you might uh, have with a wonderful spring aroma of lilacs or whatever it is you want to have your house smell like. Uh, not only do they typically burn at a, at a high temperature, higher temperature, um, the scents in the dyes that they use to, to make your house smell like lilacs and for that candle to have the, the color of a lilac flower. Many people are actually allergic um, to those dyes or their scents. So not only do you have the potential of ouch that's burning, but ouch that's burning and hey, I'm breaking out in this allergic rash or worse if you have a severe allergy. Um, so it's very important to not use those as well. So what candles should you use, right? That that sounds like a very tough question, and it's not. Um, head on over to your local in-person community. And if you are newer, it can seem very intimidating to interact with people in the real world. But in this way, you really don't necessarily have to interact with them in the real world. But many communities have, you know, munches or munch hosts, and they'll be listed like on FetLife with their event, you know, so-and-so is the host, contact the host if you have any questions. So you can shoot them an email and simply say, hey, you know, I might fib a bit and say I'm interested in your event, but I'm also interested in a local vendor that is a candle maker who makes specific candles for wax play. And they will be able to hook you up with somebody in your community who is well-known, has a great reputation, and makes candles specific for this use. So that is what I would recommend doing. Not only are you supporting a local business, or, well, probably in this case, a local side hustle, but something that the person is definitely passionate about. 
you're supporting that and you're getting something that you know will be safer. So there's all of that. Now the opposite of the hot wax is ice. Now if I could get away with uh, playing music, I guess we could have a little vanilla ice as a transition from uh, from that. But um, ice play is very, very fun. Um, and by when I say ice play, I am talking about you know, using ice cubes rather than doing BDSM um, out on a frozen lake somewhere, or like the night I might have been inebriated in St. Ignis, and which is this little town in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. But there's this beautiful island that is, I think it's three miles from St. Ignis, that many, many people go to every summer called Mackinac Island. And there's a bar on the island called the Pink Pony. Pink Pony doesn't really close because the owner lives above it. So if people show up at 3 in the morning and knock on the door, he opens the bar. And so there was a group of us, and we decided when the bars were closing in St. Ignace at 2 in the morning, we wanted to continue our night of escapades. So we decided to head to the Pink Pony on the island. and. Well, we didn't have snowmobiles because this was a ski trip, and therefore we walked to Mackinac Island. So it's one of those wonderful little, somebody ever says, you know, tell me three truths and a lie or something like that. Um, and they're in, in Michigan. I'd be like, oh, yeah, and I walked to Mackinac Island. And, of course, they're all like, oh, that's it. You lied. That's the lie. I'm like, no, no. Did it in February. Not in February like this, but it was creepy. Because as we were walking, you could hear the ice crackle and crack. Um, very, very weird. Uh, the next day, though, I did I did pay the money and take the little Cessna flight back to St. Ignace rather than walking. I definitely did that. Learned my lesson and won't, won't walk to the island ever again. So, anyways, back to ice safety. Depending on how you do it, if you are going to use a lot of ice, or move very slowly, excuse me there. Um, if you're gonna use a lot of ice or you want to move the ice very slowly over somebody's body or have it move slowly over your body, please do consider in a situation like that, wrapping it in a cloth um, so that you don't cause the opposite of burns from heat, but ice can also cause, cause burns as well. So, depending on how you're going to move it. If you're going to use a, for example, large chunk of ice or move several cubes very slowly, consider wrapping them in a cloth just to provide a little, a little layer that pre prevents that direct skin contact with the ice. Because you don't need to have direct skin contact, contact to feel the cold. Also, Limit the amount of time you use ice in a certain area um, because you're going to slowly chill, chill, chill it down until it gets too cold. So you're going to want to always be mindful of where the ice has been, where you're going, and whether it's been a while since it's gone there. Um, using ice cubes or a block of ice or any type of cold play like that it's almost a two-handed adventure because you have the ice in one hand and then you might be using the other hand 
um, to check and feel the person's skin to see whether it's warmed up or if it's still cold. Um, so if you're going to also engage in ice play, because it is sort of a two-handed event, if you will, and typically ice involves ice around sensitive erotic areas, make sure that as part of your negotiations you, that, you know, the person you're going to play with or, or be played with um, understands that there is going to be touching of those areas with the non-ice hand, just even if it's just to check the temperature. But this is a time really when, unlike spanking, where spanking many people assume, unfortunately, that permission to spank somebody's bottom is also permission to touch um, their, you know, sensitive areas around there, which it is not. That is a separate discussion. But if you're going to be playing with ice and doing it around breast or sensitive other, you know, other intimate areas, depending on your on your gender, um, make sure that, you know, there is probably going to be touching. This isn't one of those things where, yes, technically you could just run the ice cube, but you're going to want to, if you're going to be running the ice cube in an area for a while, you're going to want to monitor that temperature, which means using your non-ice using hand, which means touching. So just know that that is something that needs to be discussed. And this is something where really to do it right, there will, will be touching. Um, also, monitor skin reactions with, with ice. Um, ice has a way of desensitizing the person who is getting cold or having an area of their their body getting cold. So it's very important for the the person, the dominant or top, to really monitor somebody's skin and how it's looking, how it's feeling. Ice play is something that if you have a phobia of having the lights on in the bedroom, say, um, this probably wouldn't be a good thing. Or this might be a great time to add a blindfold. So the lights can be on so that the, the top or the dominant can can see. And you don't have to worry about having the, the light on issue because you're wearing a blindfold. So that is another idea. But it is important to monitor how skin looks and how it feels uh, when we're using ice. Um, another thing that um, should be common sense, but please don't insert ice cubes. Um, into, you know, um, people's bodies. Um, ice is not designed to go inside. Yes, you can chew an ice cube. You can chew crushed ice. You can swallow ice. And it makes you feel a pool on a hot summer day. But our other areas of the body are not designed for that. So please don't, um, don't go sticking ice cubes where they don't belong. Keep them on the outside, if you will. And also, please bear in mind, too, that people can have sensitivities or medical conditions um, that impact how they respond to cold stimuli. So if you have, and this doesn't matter if you're the dominant top or the submissive bottom, uh, you know, if you have a condition that causes you to react to cold stimuli and you're the, the dominant and you're going to be holding the ice for a while, um, it is probably going to 
impact you that way. So it's a if you have a medical condition that may or may not cause a reaction um, to a cold stimulation, um, it's important to have a discussion about it. Um, also, when you are done playing, make sure that you have you know warm up techniques. And by warm up techniques, I actually mean blankets or you know that sort of thing, not just oh, let me run my hands all over you now to warm your skin back up. Actually, if you perhaps do get, you know, somebody a little too cold, um, have a nice, comfortable, warm blanket there to um, to help bring their temperatures back up. Of course, you want to warm the core first rather than the, you know, hands and hands, arms and legs. So make sure the core is warm if you really do go a little too far with the cold. Um, and of course, we have our safe words and gestures in place. So that is the opposite of lax. That's the cold side. And as I mentioned before, we can add blindfolds, right? Blindfolds are, are messing with our senses because we take away the sense of sight. And blindfolds, of course, can be a lot of fun. Uh, you can even add um, earplugs as well. And Back, way back in the day, um, during one of my early experimentations, um, there was a time when, rather than earplugs, a Sony Walkman with, uh, it dates me, the Sony Walkman with the over-the-ear, you know, uh, can't be with there, um, you know, earphones would sit there and use music, turn it up loud to muffle the noises that were happening. Um, please, you know, just pick up a set of, you know, earplugs and put those, use those rather than, you know, say using your your AirPods or, or your, you know, whatever the non-Apple version is, you know, your little Beats headphones, whatever they are to stick in there and turn the music up. Don't, don't damage your hearing to do this. Um, it's much easier to just kind of use the nice soft squishy earplugs and kind of roll them up, slide them in, and they expand, and they do a great job of muffling things. So when it comes to being able to blindfold or use earplugs, make sure that they are soft, they're comfortable. Um, with blindfolds, you obviously, if you're going to be doing some play which involves moving around, make sure they fit securely, but you don't want to have them too tight and you especially don't want them pressing down where they're too too tight and they press in on the eyes. You definitely want to make sure you have something that fits securely but is not going to cause any long-term effects. Um, and with earplugs, if you're going to use something that is reusable, um, perhaps something that is industrial or... Um, you work in an area where that might get noisy. Um, make sure that they are clean if they're the reusable earplugs. Um, clean, clean, clean. Um, just like your sex toys are. If you use them, you clean them. Everyone, I'm sure you do. You do. do the same thing if you're going to be using reusable earplugs. And don't jam them into your ear canal. We don't want to damage anybody's hearing. So just gently put them in. Don't jam them into the ear canal. And if we're going to be doing something where we can't see or we can't hear, or you know, our vision and or hearing could be substantially reduced. This really is important to know, 
to practice your safe words, safe gestures, um, so that they can be clearly understood um, and acknowledged immediately. Because let's face it, if one person is blindfolded, they might be able to tell that you've stopped or they might not be able to tell that you've stopped after they've asked you to. So it's very important um, to go the extra mile here with our safe words and safe gestures. Something else that needs to be mentioned is that when we do do blindfolds and earplugs um, or even wax and, and, and ice play, um, those types of things can unexpectedly cause a you know be a trigger for somebody. They may think that there's no problem with being blindfolded and you start to play and the blindfold's on and it's a trigger. Um, or same with the hot wax or the cold of the ice, it can be a trigger. So even if you know your partner and you've known each other for years and years, understand that if this is your first or second or third or, you know, even 45th time, um, somehow the way things play together, this all could lead to a trigger. So be aware of the unexpected trigger that could come out of this this whole thing. Um, the another area that we have for sensation play, which can be really fun, and especially if you're not into pain and you know you don't want to be cold because you've just had a miserable cold winter, uh, not like the one I've had here in Michigan, but you know you want to stay warm and you aren't a fan of wax, um, you can do tactile stimulation, and of course that just is different ways of touching, using different things to touch the skin. Um, this can be kind of fun to pair with a blindfold. Um, so the, you know, if I'm speaking from my perspective as a dominant, the submissive doesn't necessarily know what's coming next or what I am touching them with. So it can, it can be fun from that perspective. And Obviously, it's going to feel very different than somebody's hands or other body parts doing the touching. So you can use things like a, a feather duster, um, or even you can even have fun with, uh, let's say that your submissive is not into pain or they're not into impact play. So much of this lifestyle is mental. So if you take and just run a paddle up and down their skin, um, you can, you're not going to paddle them, you're not going to cause pain, but you're playing that mental game with it. Um, so you can do things like that or, you know, all sorts of different things can cause reactions. Um, in my case, you know, rather than a paddle, it would be a wooden, a wooden spoon. So you can use really anything and everything, um, silken clothes, a silken necktie, all sorts of neat ways to cause new stimulations, new ways to touch and new ways to feel. So tactile stimulation can be an incredibly fun yet gentle way to explore and, and, and do things. I do have a bit of a warning or kind of this would be under the category of a humorous humorous story which wasn't too maybe humorous at the time 
if you're going to do the feather duster or duster routine, um, don't use a duster that you actually dust with, okay? Um, in this case, um, Submissive, who was a friend of mine, was doing, was blindfolded and he got the feather duster out and, and was, you know, running it all over their body and it was a great time. The problem is the submissive is allergic to cats. The dominant was a cat owner. So you can imagine what happened as this feather duster was used all over the submissive spreading the, would it be the, the dander? Is that what causes a um, pet allergy or hair even? So it was a very coughing, sneezing, um, unpleasant, itchy skin time after the exploration with a feather duster, which was actually cut short because the allergies kicked right in, right away. So, yeah, just be careful, and especially with with anything when we're doing, you know, things with tactile where we're using fabrics and different things that are coming into contact with the skin, which might not be normal. Um, or if you do have allergies to certain types of fabrics, um, discuss those beforehand because you definitely don't want to um, have to deal with your allergies flaring up um, during play. Or if you have extreme allergies, um, it can actually constitute a, you know, honest to goodness emergency. And that is definitely not not what you want to have happen. So that was, that's my spiel on stimulation and all sorts of ways that we can play, explore without necessarily using pain, although pain can be a part of it. Really the nice thing about sensation play is it pairs so nicely with everything else. Sensation play pairs nicely with bondage. It pairs nicely with impact play. It really goes with anything and everything and is a fun way to either add on to, say, bondage, or it's a fun way to sort of baby step to bondage. If you're not sure that you want to be tied up, start with a blindfold, see how that goes. You know, so it is a great place to start and work from or add it to your sort of existing routine to to add some extra spice, if you will, to it. And now that I said spice, I'm thinking Spice Girls. Um, don't worry, not going to sing. So remember, no matter what and how you play, make sure that, you know, your consent is negotiated. Don't forget if you are casually playing or playing with a new partner that aftercare. Um, I, I don't like to say negotiated, um, but really that's the best term for it, that everyone's on the same page with their aftercare and that you have your feedback session after aftercare and you play in a safe and consensual manner. So on that note, we're going to wrap it up call it a week. And I thank everyone for listening. I look forward to chatting with you again next week. And we are going to dive into a little aftercare next week. So until then, have a great week. And I look forward to chatting with you next week. <laughs>